What's up, everyone? Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. I'm John, and as always, I'm joined by the very, very enriched with information, Nate Funk. How's it going, Nate? Pretty good. Pretty good. Thank you for uh, having me again, as always. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how are things going for you this week? Uh, things are going pretty good. Uh, I haven't had any does come into heat, although Jem still has like another week, I think. Um, yeah. so c- crossing our fingers on that and, uh, cleaned out one of the pens so far for the does, which <clears throat> as we were talking about with the, the winter, uh, podcast that, uh, it, mine was midwinter form and it, it took a little bit of muscle, but I got it done. Well, and and we didn't mean to uh, ruffle any feathers there with the midwinter or the winter podcast. I know a lot of people weren't happy to hear all about that. Uh, <laughs> the yeah. cold thought coming our way. And a few yep. people said, well, you know, we can't quite do a hard uh, pack Deep like bedding, that. Yeah. And you know, I know that we all have our own ways of t- getting our animals ready for the winter. I think really the, the thought on that we were aiming at there was to keep them warm, keep them yeah. bedded, um, keep them comfortable. Well, there's definitely people that uh, don't have a tractor to get in and, and clean theirs, which I don't. Um, but there's also people that just can't uh, clean out their pen. And we actually got a message about that. You know, they can't clean out a big pack like that. So they... They do every couple weeks. They clean it out, which is that's fine. If if your animals are comfortable, that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, um, yeah, just keep them comfortable, keep them happy through the winter months. It's when they're you know, if they're bred animals, um, that's when they're growing those kids inside. Um, you want to keep them warm and healthy and happy, yeah. and get them ready for yeah. the upcoming milking season in spring. For sure. Um, For uh, for some of our friends, you know, spring comes early. I know a few people are expecting kids in a few weeks. Yeah, Uh, have fun with that. Yeah, I'm not a (laughs) fan of winter milking. We're going to have one in at the end of January, so hopefully we have an early spring. Yeah, Um, you know, you never, you never know. But uh, so yeah, so this week, otherwise, um, I'm getting ready for deer season. We're actually recording a little bit early because. Uh, Nate and I are both avid uh, deer hunters, and I know not everybody is, and that's fine. Um, but that's something that I personally have always been a part of as a family tradition. And so, yeah, we're getting ready for that. And I know Saturday I'll be out all day, and Sunday, if we were going to record, it would have to be at like 4 a.m. or earlier. <laughs> and no, yeah, or or earlier. Well, you know, for me, it's it, it <laughs> funny. I was talking to my daughter, my daughter was like, Have we always hunted? Why do we hunt? And I pointed out mm-hmm. that uh, for my family growing up, it was kind of tradition, but it was also um, how we put food in the freezer for the winter. Um, well, that's a big thing for us. Yes. That's and how, that's one of our main, main protein sources. Right. And then, we, you know, I'll admit, I kind of backed off a bit when, you know, tight times didn't get quite so tight. And, you know, I could go down mm-hmm. to the store and buy a nice, you know, London broil and, you know, feed my wife and I for a few days and stuff. And so I kind of backed off on the hunting. Um, actually, I hunt for probably a, a oh, to me, it's a good reason. Deer control. 
on the yeah. farm. We've had meningeal worm issues, deer brain worm issues. And if we can control the deer population here, it'll mean less deer getting into the pastures. Um, mm -hmm. Though we, we did do the double fence thing this year and that kind yeah. of worked. We, you know, Lord willing, we didn't have any issues with meningeal worm this year. Um, but, you know, it's kind of to control the deer population now for me, you know, we've got tree seedlings out there and small orchard. Um, mm -hmm. We want to control the deer so we can get those trees up above the browse line, um, keep them out of the pasture. So it, it's kind of morphed into a management action yeah. for me. Um, yeah. as well as the fact that, you know, beef prices last spring were really high. And if I could have a yeah. really lean meat in the freezer coming into mm -hmm. this, this winter, <clears throat> we're all looking at COVID ca cases rising. Um, yes. man, I, I would, I just, you know, got done saying to, to my uncle that, you know, if I could have you know, venison in the freezer had be really good. Um, I know there's a lot of our listeners who, who may not agree with hunting, may not agree with, with eat, meat eating, but I, I try to respect their opinion and, and hopefully oh, yeah. they Everybody can. Everybody has their own, their own set of priorities in life and what they want to do. And if, if, we have listeners that don't agree with hunting. That's per that's perfectly fine. Everybody is allowed to have their own opinion. That's what makes this country so great. Exactly, you know? exactly. And we need to allow each other to have our own opinions. Mm -hmm. um, but so, yeah, so I'm getting ready for that. Um, and then, honestly, this week, I think I'll clean out the other pen and might trim some buck hooves and a couple does hooves and then maybe get a picture of a junior uh, doe that I didn't get a picture of this last week. And then that's it for us. How about you? Well, um, we have, you know, through many of our listeners have given uh, you and I actually advice on yeah. uh, kelp sources. Um, we've been doing kelp. We've also been doing some iodine treatments on a few of our does who aren't bred yet. Um, and they're actually due to cycle this weekend. Um, so hopefully we'll have our last few does being bred this weekend. Fingers crossed, man. Fingers, Fingers crossed. crossed. We also had, had some <clears throat> test results come back this week that were really exciting for us. Um, otherwise, yeah. uh, you know, getting ready for, you know, Turkey Day coming up, Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, and it's going to look different in a lot of households. Um, well, I know my household, we're going to have less than we usually do, but not too crazy. And the people that are coming have either been tested or haven't gone anywhere. Yeah, well, I know that. So, like, here in the Northeast, um, New York, they put a, a requirement for family get-togethers of 10 people or less. Pennsylvania mm -hmm. has actually uh, said no out-of-state travel um, unless it's for yeah. work. Um, so in other states are putting on similar requirements. I think Vermont did something like that. So, you know, it's going to, Thanksgiving's going to look a little different. 
we're planning to have, you know, Thanksgiving here. Uh, my wife and kids, we may invite, you know, a couple uh, of our older relatives who are living by themselves um, mm-hmm. over. Um, but it'll be just kind of like maybe up to seven people. Um, and fre- yeah, same here. And fresh turkey. Um, <laughs> so uh, it, it's going to be a, a different holiday, but I think it's going to be more intimate. You know, you're going to be able to, you know, it's not going to be a household full of people where it's like, ah, oh, was, was cousin Jimmy here today? Yeah, he sat in the corner all day quietly <laughs> looking at his phone. No, it's going to yeah. be like a few people and you're going to be like, oh, hey, cousin Jim, want to find anything good on the phone? Um, yeah, usually for Thanksgiving, I tend to, because it's deer season, and so I tend to maybe go out in the morning but come in real early and i think this year i'm just gonna head out and be out until i either get something or come back in time for dinner because i mean it's just such a weird year this year you know i think a lot of the old things are starting up again um you know i'm planning to spend a considerable amount of time hunting my own property as well as some family land um not far from here um Possibly Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, and it will depend. Um, you know, as foresters, we we like to joke, it will depend, or it depends um, on <laughs> how much prep has to be done for Thanksgiving dinner, as to whether or not I uh, go out for a few hours on Thanksgiving Day. Probably on Black Friday, um, I'll go out because nowadays you can shop from the comfort of your phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know so. Yeah, we have that coming for us. Um, And uh, I think it'll be an enjoyable one. Uh, I have the excitement. My my father's going to be moving back towards town, towards us all. He's currently living two hours away. Um, So it'll be nice to have him back in the area. Um, I can't wait to meet him in person. (laughs) At some point. I just can't. He has a wealth (laughs) of knowledge. And some of... You know, we'll be talking later about um, histories and pedigrees and and stuff. And you know, he's taught me a lot. Um, now that I, as every father to their child, you have to almost fact check them sometimes. Um, <laughs> uh, but he he's got some crazy experiences. That he was a ADGA director for a number of years, and when he wasn't a director, he was sad. And sat on a number of committees. Um, he was actually part of the committee that came up with the Oberhasler breed standard, um, which is crazy. Yeah. So, um, you know, he's he's a wealth of knowledge. So, as a few of my uh, younger uh, uh, exhibitors, people I show with, have discovered, if you ask him a question, you better have a few hours. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, I get it from someplace. <laughs> Otherwise, <clears throat> um, it's been a great week. Yeah, it's been a it's been a quiet week. Time is just still something that doesn't exist for me. So it's been. I mean, I'll be talking to someone like yourself. I go today is Thursday, right? And everybody's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Okay, good. All right." So I have a feeling that these rest couple of the weeks of my uh, paternity leave are just going to kind of melt. 
life. So, <laughs> yeah. Rest of your life. Exactly. You, you, uh, <laughs> you'll be measuring life by when did Alice do this? Right. You know, at the same time, you'll be do- learning to do math like Alice is this old. We did this before <laughs> Alice. So it happened this many years ago. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, moving on to ad good news. Oh, we got a few things. That we do. Th- there was some task force that gave preliminary. Well, there was some task force that gave preliminary reports and some that didn't. And then some other right, actions so, that were taken. Right. So first, uh, something that we both were championing um, just because we were concerned um, Face. was is Har- we in Harrisburg. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, we're in District 2. So uh, Harrisburg's uh, force majeure was agreed upon and the contract was signed. So Harrisburg is on. That's that's twenty two is uh yeah twenty twenty two is Harrisburg yeah. which is awesome I can't wait that'll be our first national show yours so yeah yeah I'm looking forward to it greatly I I think um national show is it's kind of like other shows but it's not it's obviously it's it's yeah. national show I mean it's, right you don't take a hairy goat into the show ring at national show. Yeah. No, there's not people where you say, ooh, that goat could use some more condition or... Well, there or, may be. Ooh, but... look at the attachments on that. Well, yeah, but it's very unlikely. Uh, it, it's uh... more, more <laughs> of nearly every doe is showmanship clipped. Right. Um, but, you know, udders are, are all clipped going into the show ring. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people aren't wearing... You know, oh, it's cool today, so I'm going to wear my black sweatshirt over my T-shirt to go show in the show ring. Everybody's in <laughs> show whites. Um, right. You know, it's, you know, it, they're, you know, it's different. It, it's more, it's more strict, but at the same time, you, like other shows, you see people, you don't see it other times of the year or maybe other years. Um, you'll get to meet up with old friends and especially with the age of technology and info, you know, social media, you get to meet up with your friends that you, maybe, you know, from other side of the country. Um, I guess my, my advice to anyone, by the way, on that is, um, if you know somebody online and you haven't met them personally, don't walk up to them as they're going into the show ring and try to shake their hand. <laughs> um, right. But no, Nationals is having it here in District 2 to me is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. I, I think it's, uh, it'll be good. Um, it'll be nice to see some familiar faces and new faces, you know? So I'm excited for that. Uh, also, uh, the linear appraisal task force was is working diligently. Um, they did on November fifteenth present their preliminary uh, findings and and discussions to the board. Board um, or EC? Or no EC? I was gonna say EC. I thought it was so, only to the uh, EC, the executive committee. Yep, the ex- executive committee. Um, and then the final results we should expect to see January fifteenth. The so recommend- I've seen a couple. Sorry. 
yeah for recommendations um i have seen uh some posts on Facebook where people are asking, you know, what's going on. And, and it's going to be one of those things. You just got to wait until January uh, until we, we get um, information from from ADGA. And honestly, so this is just me, but I think everybody should be <clears throat> holding their breath again this year to see if linear appraisal even happens. I'm not trying to hit the panic button or anything, but I think everybody should really just be prepared in their mind that, there could be another year without linear appraisal with this COVID spike that's happening right now in our country. I was going to say, I wouldn't be, with the COVID, I wouldn't be surprised. I think it, right. I think linear appraisal in some form will be planned. Um, right, I, but it's, 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 it's touching. I, I believe that, I, 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 you know, maybe call me naive, but I believe the task force will come up with a resolution or at least something that um, will work moving forward. It may not right. where I say linear appraisal in some form. I mean, it may not be the same appraisers. Um, I know some appraisers have said that they're, you know, unless X, Y, or Z um, happens, they're going to walk away from it. Right. Um, and some of them, you know, some of the X, Y, and Z is something that can't be fixed or can't be fixed quickly. Um, mm-hmm. And so some of them may <clears throat> end up walking away. It may, it may be that we may have fewer stops and the stops may have to be bigger to cover the appraisals, or it may just be fewer stops. Period. Yeah, I, I it, just don't. And now this is just this is me thinking out loud. Is I don't see how appraisers can go from state to state without quarantining because COVID's still going to be a thing, right? Like, right? like, um, how <laughs> can you know? How can an appraiser come to New York right now? We've got, you know, I. Our own neighboring states are starting to say you can't go to New York, um, right? Even though even though we're lower percentage yeah, than most of the exactly. country right now. So, um, <laughs> yeah, how how can we expect that? And if it's still up there, come you know May or April, April, um. You know, we, we may, they may have to look at it not as a, a, you know, oh, the, we haven't fixed the problem yet. It may be more of a, we've still got to deal with the COVID. And that's a, I mean, these yeah. appraisers are ADGA employees. And right. ADGA as an employer has to look to the safety of their employees, um, you know, one way or another. And, to send them to a state and then we require them to go to a state that requires quarantining after and then not being able to pay them to remain in quarantine and thereby not able to do another job. Cause a lot of these folk, you know, they take the time off to go do the appraising. Well, and, and, and they leave right. their farms. Nate. I mean, you're going to leave your farm for and three then come weeks? back and then have to be no. quarantined. 
Um, yeah. So no way. If there's no linear this year, I I don't think it's because the task force failed. Oh, I don't think so either. I just think, and I'm not saying it's going to be canceled, but I just think it would be wise and and prudent to just get that thought in your head and be prepared mentally because it's a possibility and it's a good possibility. Well, and, and I know that there have been questions about this. Adgit Plus. See, now yeah. we kind of, we're going to still sign up for it, you know, on the chance that, right. okay, you know, we got the vaccine from Pfizer. It's now showing to be 95% effective. We've got uh, this other vaccine by, mm-hmm. who is that? Well, well, there's a second vaccine. You know, again, 94, 95% effective. You know, if we're starting to see, you know, the effectiveness of these vaccines and thereby fewer and fewer people getting, you know, it's going down not because of social distancing, but because of vaccines. um, Right. You know, maybe things just open back up. We don't know. You know, people for centuries, millennia, have tried to predict the future. Yeah. Why are we trying to do yep. it now? <laughs> um, I, I say... I'm, I'm just trying to say, keep it okay, in your brain, your, little, your, your ear holes, and... and uh, certainly. You know, and and maybe even plan <laughs> contingency plans. I What I do think... Yeah. I think the smaller shows in general have learned to function in the age of COVID. I think right. your, your club shows will all will happen this year for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe even your larger club shows will happen this year. Oh, for I, sure. For sure. There's no way they don't. I don't know. I don't dare to say on the state fairs. Yeah. Yeah. That's another, that's, a, that's what was it? North Carolina you know, canceled but... everything through March 31st. All fairs, festivals, and and sporting events, or something like that. Maybe it wasn't sporting event. Yep. Through the March thirty first. Um. You know, um. I don't know. I think it's one of these things to be a little bit conservative, but but at the same time, a risk assessment. You know, for example, Jen and I will still sign up for uh, Etka Plus. Um, we'll right. still sign up for linear. Um, we did, we did owner sampler on milk test this year. We shouldn't have <laughs> cream <laughs> topped out over three thousand pounds. Um, oh. So, um, but you know, it's we've all got to look at what's going on around us and make some decisions ourselves. Um, and realize that there's going to be some risk assessment of what you're willing to accept. Right. And, but at the same time, there's the risk assessment of organizations like ADCA who have to assess the risk to their employees and, and their members. members. Um, so, uh, also, we'll get off that um, there's also the task force uh, going forth with uh, finding out ways for online voting. Looks like they're they're able to 
find a couple different companies to use to to get that online voting yes. working with with the system. Um, now it's all very preliminary. It's all like there has to be amendments made to the constitution and all that stuff. So it's going to so, be a long process. But right, they are getting the wording for the new amendment. The other thing is right. And one of the things they're going through right now, from what I've heard from people, is they're having to go through the current, you know. You know, basically, you add your rule book, constitution, and all the references to, um, you know, to voting, to, voting. to how things are done, um, you know, and they have to get find out where all of those are, and it's really tedious. Um, yeah, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a while. You won't see that for probably another two or three years. Um, it's just the way it's going to be. From what I, from what I'm seeing and reading, I think that's a good time frame for that. Plus, we need the new system up first. Yeah. Oh, the, the, <laughs> so, the, yeah. The new. Yeah. The new yeah. Site. Um, now, I I do have another. Uh, it's kind of a plug, Nate, and I hope you don't mind because I didn't even run it by Uh-oh. you. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, the Progressive Dairy Goat Club, which is my local dairy goat club that I'm part of, is selling calendars this year to help support and fundraise for uh, the Two Ring Show that we hold. Um, and you've been to the show, Nate, and I've been to the show, obviously, and it's a really fun show. Um, happens to have a couple of my goats uh, featured in it, just saying, you know, if somebody wants to see what they look like, they can buy the calendar. Nigerians. Um, but... <laughs> oh really uh, <laughs> yeah uh so the cool thing is that it has like kidding dates on it it has spots where you can put uh those next heat cycles um it has important add good deadlines on it and a chart in the back that uh can help you keep track of all your breedings um so yeah the progressive dairy goat club calendar 2021 calendar uh is available just in time for the holidays now if people want more information about this i'll share that post onto ringside uh the facebook group and you can figure out how to get your uh, hands on a calendar if you'd like yeah no that, that'd be good so just a little plug sorry i didn't i didn't mean to just uh put it out there but i just thought shameless of it. plugs <laughs> I, I got it i got it yeah and it's for a good cause you know there's a lot of youth that show at that show um, there's actually, I think Friday is the showmanship show for youth. Uh, so it's, it's really, a, it's, it's a pretty cool thing. Um, but yeah, so I guess we'll move on to our topic for the week, which is what Nate? Oh goodness. I kept trying, trying to come up with a really neat name for this, but it, it's uh-huh. really a topic that maybe is even a little too big to, to cover all at once. Um, you know, Americans versus purebreds versus experimentals. Ding, 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 round one. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's not even really, yeah, you it's, can't uh, even really do it as, as like a versus. Um, you know. Well, well, what brought this on was you saw a post uh, by one of our friends. Yep. On Facebook. And, and then there was a, uh, a, a reply to a, a comment. And there was a comment. 
And then the yeah. reply, there was a comment uh, regarding if the, if they were American or purebred, and then it kind of just went into this whole shenanigan of uh, how really purebreds and Americans are separated, but they both have their own qualities, and uh, should they really be put you know pitted against each other as they both really are? I mean, when you think about it. If something's American and it's been American for a long time through its lines, it's pretty much purebred. Uh, that's what some people think. Some people don't think that. Yeah, no, and, and that's, you know, I'll get into that a little bit more in a bit. I mean, it's, it, you know, so you, you get the purebred, <laughs> and the purebreds basically, you know, they, they've been bred purebred, you know, purebred Sonnen or purebred. Oberhasley or, or purebred Tog, you know, you can trace it back to the original, yeah. you know, herd book being opened and, you know, maybe even animals that came over on across the sea. Um, yep. You know, and uh, you, you just, you could trace it all the way back. And that's, you know, that's really kind of cool. And they tend to be really unique animals. Um, it, you know, we have, you know, we have a purebred in a barn. We, we took her on, you want to call it a project. Um, but it's, you know, there, there are breeders where that's all they want to deal with, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's fine. If they want and, to, you know? And there are breeders <clears throat> so- who feel there's nothing wrong with the Americans. Right. And, and I would say that I probably fit into that, um, that part of the debate, I guess. I, uh, you know, I have Americans and experimentals and I have experimentals that are being bred up to American. Um, and I just, when I look at like a first generation American, like I have in my barn right now, I'm sorry, but she looks pure over hostily. There's no doubt about it. And the one thing that I can see where people don't agree with this and maybe a little part of my brain doesn't agree with it is when I see, say, an Oberhasley who came up from 50% Alpine, 50% Oberhasley and was bred up and you have this ginormous, long, tall, huge Oberhasley that's supposed to be a medium sized goat and they're huge um and and they win because of that size and rightfully so if if they're beautiful because goats, there's sure. no maximum but, height right which is i get it I, and i totally understand why people are gunning for that right now i've thought about gunning for it too um but at the same time it's like well does that is that an overhossy <laughs> So I, I can see where the purebreds uh, are coming from at that that standpoint. Well, um, there's also the fact that the purebred, like, okay, both John and I here are Oberhasler breeders. I have, you you I have, have Nigerians. Nigerians I grew up, we, we had, <laughs> um, you know, we had togs, we had British togs, as well as uh, we mm-hmm. had, you know, some purebred togs and American togs. Um, we had the purebred sonnets and the 
American sonnet. Uh, and now you have a, a, a purebred yes. Oberhasley in your yes. mind still. Um, and, you know, part of it, you know, with, with the purebred, it's knowing that that is a unique breed. Like, Oberhasley, right. the purebred Oberhasley is listed as a, uh, I believe, a threatened breed. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Elise Anderson has done work with, uh, I believe, the Smithsonian on trying to preserve it. Um, you know, having purchased n- right. numerous uh, purebred animals and trying to, you know, propagate them and you know it's a limited gene pool and it sure is it is very, very shallow. shallow and it's not just in the Oberhasleys though that the purebred gene pools are shallow it's well it can only get so big you know everything's gonna well unless you bring in new genetics and, and from outside the country um right which we can't do but so it does make <laughs> the problem of of a shallow gene pool. And um, so you find yourself trying to breed these purebred animals, whether they're alpines or sonnins, to, to keep the numbers up. Um, and, you know, that's, that's the challenge to, to people breeding purebreds is keeping, do, do you breed for, quantity or quality mm-hmm. do you aim for both and do you meet a happy medium you know um right you know it's you know, jen and i have chosen with our purebred doe to try to breed for quality um you know she's a gch she's appraised 90 she just finished a lactation producing over 3,000 pounds for a purebred Oberhasley doe. Um, she's a little bit of a diamond mm-hmm. in the rough. Um, and yet we're, and we're trying to breed her to, you know, we joke about a bunch of old dead guys. Um, you know, she is not <laughs> recycled on the AI to Irish Rogue, which is a repeat breeding. And we, mm-hmm. we she freshened last year with we brought it to Irish Rogue. And the problem was in the first few days, we looked at the doe kid and thought, she's nice, but we really don't want to keep her around. So. But, and it's, it's kind of funny. I feel like somebody <clears throat> was like, you're, you're crazy. That's a very nice looking kid. And, and she was, and she turned out to be a really nice looking kid. <laughs> and which is why, you know, we had a, a snafu happen with some, some of the semen that we intended to use on her and instead we we ended up mm-hmm. AIing her to Irish Rogue and you know it you know we'll see. Um yeah and uh yeah so we're going for for quality. Um there's a a breeder mm-hmm. purebred breeder here in central New York who has a good sized herd. She also is breeding for quality. Uh, she does not do much AI. She does do some AI. Uh, she actually is the breeder of Cream's sire. Um, mm-hmm. And 
Uh, but she she had no problem of if there's a a doe kid she doesn't like or a doe a milker she doesn't like. It doesn't matter that she's a purebred. She goes to the auction. I I do know yeah. there are other purebred breeders and out there who say they're a rarity. They're they're an uncommon breed. Um, I you know they don't they may not be worried about color or confirmation. They're there for the numbers. Try to get the numbers up. Um, you know it. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know that one is more right than the other. It's a. Uh... Right, and so let's face it. There's there's people that say, "Hey, that's that's my breed," and and their breed just happens to be purebred, right? Um, and that's fine. And but the one thing that I don't like is when you have an American breeder or a purebred breeder or somebody with experimentals, which rarely happens, but uh, <laughs> um, you have this just negative contingent versus each other that that is it's it's vile you know you i've seen posts about you know somebody selling a kid and uh they'll say uh nubian nubian doe kid april kid you know for sale uh this this much money and then you'll see a bunch of you know questions about information and then somebody will say purebred or american and they'll say american and they're like oh i don't want that i only breed purebred because they're much better and blah 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 it's like why? Yeah. Why do you have to do that? Why? So, so you want purebred? That's an American. Move on. But it, I just see it's well, it's vile. Really, it can it, be it can really be, just or grotesque. it can be kind of frustrating. I mean, you know, you can. I, oh, I have seen. You know, we'll we'll use that Nubian kid scenario because I have seen scenarios like that, especially with the Nubians, in mm-hmm. other breeds. Sonnens. I've seen it happen with Sonnens and Alpines, and you know. And I've had it happen with the overhuslers, where it's like, well, um, you know, what what was her dam appraised? Ninety one. How'd she appraise in memory? Excellent. Ooh, you know. Mm-hmm. Hey, do you show her much? She's a permanent champion. She's earned a milk star. She's GCH. Ooh, nice. Um, is she American or purebred? American. The cricket chirp. Yeah. God. Yep. But you know, that's because those people are looking, they're looking for a purebred. And that's fine, but there's a way to go about it. Oh, there is. (laughs) Right? There's also the fact that there are people, and maybe this is one of the things to to go take a step back on all of this discussion. Because some of our listeners may may not realize you know, there's the difference between the American and the purebred, and I started you know to hint on that the purebred you can trace it back to animals at the uh, the start of that that breed herd book. You know, it's Sonnen mm. all the way back to when its ancestors were registered as Sonnens. Okay, right. Um, and that's the way it's been. Well, then you get the Americans. and They're not Americans because they were born in America. Um, well, we all are. But anyway, uh, they're Americans because at some point in that purebred pedigree, something happened. Something. 
Um, right. You know, the Alpine Buck got to the Sonnen Doe. You got kids, you registered them. Well, now it's mm-hmm. a 50 50, you breed up towards American. Um, but there are other things right. that happen. And the other things could be things like, you know, we didn't have money to register the does for the past five years. And so I've got this herd of does over here. I'm just going to register them all as native on appearance. You know, my, my, my friend who's a member of Ag <laughs> is going to say, yep, they look like Sonnens and they're going to be native on appearance. And I'm going to breed them up. They're all purebred right. does. But the papers yeah, didn't uh, the paper trail didn't continue and there was a break in the paper trail and now they're considered fifty percent sonin and have to breed up to American. They're still and then, and purebred could, genetic. Right. And even if you bred to purebred, they would only be American. Um, you know, eventually as as they, they breed up. Now uh, that does bring me to the point. Some people might not be as well versed as in experimentals as you and I may be. Um, and I've gotten myself quite familiar with how experimentals work as I've had to change paperwork on a doe and get her changed uh, to conforming and blah, blah, blah. Um, but anyway, uh, say you have a uh, an American Oberhausley bred to a purebred uh, French Alpine. I don't French Alpine, purebred, you know, whatever. Purebred. Uh, purebred. And if, I, if yeah, we're sure, wrong, sure. So somebody please correct us. We will post it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so then you breed. So you got 50-50, right? You got 50% Oberhasli, 50% uh, Alpine. And then you breed to an American Oberhasli or, or even purebred. And that's uh, 75-25%. Yep. Uh, and then breed again, and then that's generally where you get yep. your American doe kid. Uh, buck buck kids take another generation of breeding. So, say that doe kid that turned American, uh, and then you bred American right. again. Her kids can be American. And, um, so it, it it's kind of convoluted, um, but not really. It's pretty easy it, once you look at it. My my situation was pretty. Well, there's <laughs> also a, a added <laughs> complexity for breeds like Sonnens, Togs, Oberhaslis, um, where they have mm-hmm. to have, have three generations to, to the color. By the way, the generation conforming can right. also happen where you had a purebred doe bred to a purebred buck, and the doe kid is born with a white spot on the side. She is now yep. experimental. She now, her progeny mm-hmm. are experimental until they breed up to American. It doesn't matter if you breed that that white-spotted doe kid with pure to purebred. And that kid to purebred and purebred and purebred. Mm-hmm. Their offspring are all still American. Yep, they'll only ever right. achieve American status. Um, so I think that, you know, this is kind of one of those things to keep in mind as we're discussing, you know, purebred versus American. And there are Americans out there who have been bred over Hosley for like 15, 20 generations and will never yeah. be purebred. Right. Even though they're 
through and through 99.9% over Hosley. Um, it's just, you know, for generations and it'll just never, they'll just never achieve purebred, which I get it. It, it, it keeps the continuity of the breed. Sure. Um, now I have a question for you, Nate, you have that purebred doe in your barn. You have some stellar bucks in your barn also who happen to be American, but could improve some qualities on that doe that you want approved on improved on. Um, but you still choose to use purebred semen or bucks, uh, to to breed her to even though maybe maybe not there would be some some consequences say maybe uh uh shallower forward or something um why do you choose to keep so, breeding purebred to purebred a few years back we we happened to actually come across cream believe it or not on craigslist and yeah yeah that's crazy uh, I didn't she know was that. a dry yearling <laughs> Um, we brought mm-hmm. her here and that first year we actually bred her, um, to a red doe artisan. Um, and it's a beautiful, almost limousine style, you know, buck kits, two buck kits. Um, and one of them <clears> ended up going back up to red doe, the red doe herd. Um, and he's, he's still there. Um, and, uh, cream as a first freshener had this gorgeous memory, gorgeous. And we started taking her to shows and she held her own against the Americans. She competed. I mean, she's a finished champion. She finished as a two-year-old. Um, she earned her milk star. She was GCH by the time the fall of her two-year-old year. Um, we felt that we had, you know, a really nice doe here. And if we could get really nice kids out of her, maybe we could help mm-hmm. keep purebred Oberhasleys as competitive against Americans and, you know, keep the interest for new breeders and young breeders and just breeders in general in the purebred lines. Um, so we started, you know, trying to find bucks which would improve her weaknesses who were also purebred. Um, and we've had to jump mm-hmm. through some crazy hoops to some of that semen. And, you know, and, you know, for us, you know, we, we have to thank, you know, you know, the fine folks up there at Blissbury for having some, um, Porticoa, I keep asking her questions about bucks. Same with uh, Elise Anderson. And, uh, you know, just I keep asking people. Brandy's helped us get uh, some of the purebred semen. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, scraping the bottom of the barrels at times, it seems like, to get these straws. And we're trying. We're trying a, a variety of them on her. Some bucks really aren't making much improvement. Some are. But the other problem we have mm-hmm. is is the purebred straws of, of notable bucks that are making the improvements we want to have made on her 
are becoming fewer and fewer because mm -hmm. we're using some of the straws. Other people have quality purebred animals and they're using the straws. And there's nothing wrong with that other than it's becoming harder and harder to right. find those, those straws. Well, I imagine with a breed like Oberhasli, uh, a lot of those purebred breeder breeders are either keeping it clutched in their, in their own tanks, or a lot of those purebred breeders may not even be in the game anymore. That, that let those things go drop. A couple, um, they're holding mm -hmm. on to those straws. Quite frankly, some of them have a doe kid that they want to use it on. Um, some of them know that the value of that straw is going up and, you know, how, how much can they get for it? Yeah. Um, they, now, now, I'd say to finish with, your, your, the question, though, is, and this is something mm -hmm. Jen and I have wrestled with, and it's more me begging mm -hmm. and her wrestling with my begging is – you get a doe like you get a purebred animal and we're going to use cream as an example, but you get a purebred of any breed who's a high quality animal, but she needs a little tweaking. Okay. Otherwise she could contribute to that breed, to her breed. Why not breed her American? If that, if the buck that's going to make, that change is available. Well, well, do you think that there's a sense of having to use purebred when you own a purebred, um, feeling like a, a bit of pressure from maybe other purebred breeders or just pressure down the line from somebody judging your animals being American instead of purebred, even though you do have American? Do you think that do you think that with some of those purebred breeders, there's that pressure for of having us, to keep it purebred? No. Um, mainly because people are okay. usually pretty shocked that we have a purebred. Other than any time cream gets any kind of <laughs> accolade, we throw it out there. Um, but, um, you know, yeah. the, the other people may feel that there is. I don't think they do. I think the purebred breeders are breeding, many of them are breeding purebred because they like the purebred the fact that they have purebred sonnets they have purebred nubians they're breeding uh purebred you know togs and and alpines and and they're they like the fact that their animals are, are purebred you know uh, you know or, or french you know mm -hmm. um you know I, I i know a breeder here in central new york new york who has, you know, French Alpine. And she's proud of the fact that every animal in her barn is a French Alpine, not an American. Um, yeah. You know, and there's a, a central part. And I have no problem can... with that. I, I chose to have Americans. And I have my reasons for wanting Americans. Mm -hmm. At the same time, we have, you know, cream. Right. And, you know, <laughs> it sounds... You know, anybody can have an American. Americans give you a bit more flexibility, but having the challenge of a purebred. Mm, so I get that totally. 
But I also am thinking of like what I would do. So like I would love to bring in Golden Guernseys who come in either British or pure better American, whatever they are. Um, but say like I brought in like a bunch of high quality British uh, Guernseys. Um, I would be chomping at the bit to add in my own influence of whatever breed that could help fix the animals that I have. Because let's face it, um, at least I might catch slack for this, but with Golden Guernseys, when I look at them, I'm like, there's a lot I could fix with that goat, you know? And that's with any Golden Guernsey that I've looked at. I haven't obviously studied up and down the herd book or anything like that. I'm sure there are some wonderful ones out there. Um, but I see them as like kind of like the old school Oberhasli who would like, you know, Oberhasli used to have that roach back and, and poor memory system that was attached kind of meh and, uh, and just weird feet and legs. And, and I see that with, with the, the British Guernseys. I'm like, man, I would love to get my hand on some high quality British Guernseys and fix them with some other breed and then breed them up to American. And and that's the way I think of and and purebred well, totally going to look at and go, the wait a minute, there are probably does out, out there and bucks out there. There may be a you know a Guernsey buck out there with a level rump. So you get him, you breed you know your does to him, you get mm-hmm. that level rump. Then you find that doe who's got that amazing forerunner, and you get the buck kid out of her, and you fix your forerunners. You know it. it but <laughs> so I get it, but why not fix it quick with uh, something that could do you know a couple of different quali- you know characteristic qualities or, or confirmation qualities I should say in one or two goes instead of having to spend endless hours looking for semen from a certain buck or looking for a certain go to put in a reservation in for yeah. Well, you know, I mean, sure, there's a challenge with doing that, but. Who has the time for that? You know, uh, well, as, you know, as the I, I says, that's got time for that. That's great uh. in itself, though. <laughs> you know, my response and your response is why you have mm. people who want the purebred sonnens and will only use the purebred sonnens, and yeah. they will go through the hoops of finding themselves a purebred sonnen to breed their purebred does with. Okay, now, but going back to you know, right. Like, our purebred, you know, we know she's got some traits that we want in some American kids. Um, there are plans down the road to use a American, shall I do some blasphemy and say, or experimental, fuck with her to get ourselves some <laughs> American. But oh, that's yeah, because yeah. she has she has some traits yeah. which we would like to see. But there are some traits that we'd like to see fixed. In our we have we know we have bucks in the barn, in the barn, who can fix those prop those traits, and whom have weaknesses right. in areas that she's strong, and we could produce some stellar kids out of that. Um, but before we right. do that, we want to see what can we do with the available purebred genetics with her um, of that we right. feel are will improve her in her weak areas. Now, yeah, 
so, so you mentioned that, uh, you know, having a purebred and also Americans that you wouldn't mind, you know, switching it up and using your experimental or American. So you see that with like American people that have a lot of Americans in their barn and have a couple purebreds, they probably wouldn't mind doing the blasphemous act of using an American on a, a purebred, but you would never see that flip-flopped with a purebred breeder because obviously then they can't have a purebred animal that comes from that breeding. But the, um, the people who just, have purebred for the sake of saying we my herd is all purebred, um, yeah. no, because they want, they want the purebred. They, they, they have the reason for wanting the purebred. And to me, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, it's it's like you know, I like root beer. Other people may find root beer nauseating, <laughs> um, but I like root beer. Right, right. Um, and you know, it it some people like having the purebreds. the The challenge, yeah. Now, is there say a the big, challenge is? is when you go okay. to sell kids or no, to get reservations, <laughs> and really the f- real frustration is mm-hmm. reservations. When people say, "Oh, I want a buck kid out of out of your does," and and nobody, the buyer nor the seller, thinks to go, "Oh, by the way, this is American," and you get the kid on the ground. And you're like, "Ah, so and so wanted this, wanted a, a buck kid or a doe kid out of her. I'm going to call them up." And that's when the question gets asked. Oh, is, by the way, is, is the dam American? Or are these kids American or purebred? You go, they're American. I'm, you know, and you either the you know the buyer disappears, uh, or you know right. you get the oh I'm not interested, or oh never mind you know or, or whatever for whatever reason the sale falls through. Um. Now, this is going to be like poking the freaking bear right here. Um, So, would you think that this happens, that this scenario I'm about to pop up happens? I think it does. I don't know if it happens with the large breeds, but I'm pretty... (laughs) I'll just... I'll get to it. So, a purebred breeder, say a purebred sonnet breeder, um, they want to fix some things with their sonnets, but they're not going to get it from purebred because... You know, for some reason, they can't find the high quality enough semen. But so-and-so down the street has a buck of maybe even a different breed. And they breed it the doe to that buck. And then they kind of shove it off as this doe was bred to this buck that was actually purebred, but it wasn't. And they register him as purebred anyway. Do you think that happens? Because I do. I would be... I think that right there is why the mm-hmm. people who have pushed for DNA typing of box have that scenario right. in which the people and- who have pushed for the DNA typing of box and or may and some of them are pushing for does are one of the scenarios that they're thinking of mm-hmm. you know the, the, Be- because honestly uh, well the breed I'm thinking you know of it's one of these anymore. things of with DNA typing of, of the box, you can, you, you, the buyer can say, mm-hmm. I would like that kid DNA type before I buy it. 
you know, or the seller can say, I'm offering DNA typing of this kid. Um, in right. No, not right but now, you, but you I don't think see he will in the future. Right now. And as people get more, if, if people, if it happens more and more, oh, for sure. something like that, or people suspect it more and more, yeah, you will see people wanting DNA typing done. Um, you know, honestly, Jen and I, we, whenever we sell a bucket off the property, it's DNA typed. Okay. Um, one, right. because we want to have it, have the DNA on file. Um, but uh, also, mm -hmm. it kind of gives the buyer, you know, when I said it, you know, here's the dam, you see the dam, this is the dam, that's the sire, here's the proof in the pudding that that's the sire. Um, and, uh, you know, right. it. I think that's the scenario. I will tell you, it's the sort of thing that I heard about happening back in the 70s, in the 80s, from some herds which, you know, weren't honest, you know. But those were the same herds who, you know, before the age of embryo transfer, would sell sell six kids claiming they're all out of the same dough. Okay. And I'm not going to name mm -hmm. herds. Okay. But... You know, <laughs> that's good. But, Don't. Mainly, well, the other thing, so many of the people who are in those, they're dead. They, they, I mean, this is so long ago. Okay. I don't, I mean, that would be, that would be the reason somebody claiming that this kid was is purebred out of that buck and it being truly American, that would be the reason for DNA typing and for DNAing the kids. Right. Um, that's to me the, the what I I've seen some pretty shady. I was gonna say I've seen some pretty shady stuff where it's where uh, things didn't add up, and I just I'm I'm definitely a champion of DNA te uh, testing because it's got to happen. You know, there's there's more, some pretty I would be more willing to bet. This there. is what um, I would be more willing to bet. I I don't believe that mm -hmm. the people sneaking down to breed the purebred son and though to that buck um you know that american buck or that alpine to, or whatever uh or oberhasler buck um yeah to um be doing that i would be more suspicious in of herds where they have sonnens and have, I'm going to say Sonnens because I think that's the one you said. Um, you know, of having yeah, American just, and just purebred bucks on the same property and saying that this kid is, is mm -hmm. purebred. And that's, again, it's where the DNA typing comes in. Um, you know, and I, I really yeah. think, I mean, that's sort of, if somebody actually did that knowingly, that would be something that is mm -hmm. it's right in, in the bylaws that is grounds for board of directors action against that individual with falsely right. presenting knowingly falsely representing the uh, pedigree of an animal that conflict with one mm. of the missions of ADGA so if someone were to be doing that knowingly, 
that would be that would be major news. Uh, that would be ah uh, that person. I would yeah. not want to be that person. Okay. Um, no, but I, I don't. Nope. <laughs> that that is uh, my my brain just blows up on that idea. Um, no, I I think you know to get off that topic because it, it it really it, it it's it it. It is. It is kind of. I'm sorry. I, it is such. I didn't mean to. I poke mean, there the are bear. so many legal implications there. There's uh, board of a oh, board yeah. of yeah. directors. You know, action that would happen there. That'd be um, whether or not the person would be allowed to register anything again would be up to the board of directors. It would. You really want to find out what would happen mm-hmm. if somebody did that. Read, you know, the Constitution bylaws of. Of that rule book that you get when you register or you renew your your membership, um, it's it's pretty severe, um, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll get I'll get off that topic of of that scenario, um, and I just want the listeners to know that I'm not trying to to start any wars here but it's just it popped in my brain so i said it um but with reading up from experimental to american or having american versus purebred what's making people want to even do experimentals or breeding up to american what makes them competitive compared to just the purebreds what do you think you are increasing i I would say (laughs) is that another (laughs) so I apologize to our listeners. We are Oberhasli breeders. So I'm both my examples are Oberhasli. Um, <laughs> with, with the Oberhasli. So the Oberhaslis traditionally, and it is a problem with the purebreds generally, mm-hmm. traditionally they're hockey, they're heavy shouldered, they're steep rumped, narrow rumped, no forerunner. Um, they don't traditionally didn't have much of a rear at arch. Um, that doesn't mean that mm-hmm. Obahajlis nowadays can be described that way. But... Well, yes and no. I have a couple animals in my herd that, that trace back to, like, Pleasant Fields Nick, who... Uh, I'm still right. fighting those kind of old style Oberhasi. But the, but there so, are others I mean, I can, out there who have so beautiful forerunners and have have phenomenal forerunners. Right. Have, yeah. You know, rumps that are flat mm-hmm. and level and wide that you could almost eat lunch on. You know. Uh, you know, and <laughs> you know does who. You know, yeah. we have a doe in our herd who. I mean, we we love the width between the hocks on her. If we could put that width on every doe, it'd be amazing. Um, you know, and uh, Oberhasleys now are different, but the Oberhasleys now that you see, you know, winning generally are Americans. Um, yeah. And that's probably well, because there's also more American Oberhasley right, but here. Somewhere someone than, than brought something in. You know, maybe they brought uh, 
a Nubian in yeah. for the depth of barrel, the depth and the width of barrel, and the pliability of skin. Maybe they brought in a Sanin mm -hmm. for increased stutter capacity and, and just overall stature and size. Or maybe they brought in an Alpine for overall stature and size and other attachments. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, they, they may have brought these other breeds in. And where that's where you start getting your experimentals when you bring in these other breeds. And, you know, you get different yeah. traits. And what happens is you, you bring in these other breeds, these other traits, you improve upon the Oberhasley. And, you know, recently Oberhasley experimentals have been competitive against Sanin and Alpine experimentals. And you know, against Nubian or La Mancha crosses, or, you know, um, or even Togs, and you know, it it showing where our breed is starting to to improve. Same time, you you look at you know the numbers required mm -hmm. for earning like you know your PTI score for, towards you know SG status. Hadleys are still kind of down there. Yeah. But, um, oh, yeah, you know, it's yep. it's one of these things with experimental. You're trying to improve the breed, but you're, you're trying to keep it whatever breed it is that you're trying to improve. Um, and then the trait of the other breed mm -hmm. that you're hopefully that you're trying to bring in, and, you know, maybe with you know, if say you have Sonnens and you want that, that you know that Nubian pliability of skin, you know, or maybe you're trying to improve your Nubian with the size of the sonnets um, or the production of the sonnets, whatever it is you're looking for specifically. Um, you, you've just introduced an experimental, you know, into your herd, but you've also that bloodline will forever, mm -hmm. the highest it can get is American. Um, and that, that and it might have been something where you may have had a you know yeah. Nubian, maybe it's Nubian purebred Nubian bred to, to purebred Nubian, and you ended up with boar ear instead of you know those really long lengthy Nubian ears. So that kid didn't the ears didn't meet breed standard, and so she yeah. had to be experimental. But she was a gorgeous kid, so you kept her anyway. Now her bloodline is all American. You know, experimental up, going up to American. Um, mm -hmm. I, I personally, I see nothing wrong with Americans. I, I have nothing against purebreds. Obviously, oh, I don't I have either. One, hopefully, two or three in the future, depending on, <clears throat> on how they look. Um, but at the same time, I, I feel that overall, as a breed, if you have a purebred doe and you're gonna, you know. If this American buck will improve those traits, at some point try it. If it does, yeah. What's right. one year of not having an, an um, bred? You know, um, kid be born. Now I will say, like, like um, my doe gem. She started out way back as a yeah. as a um, Nubian. You know, she had uh, uh, customers in her in her line, Patch Garden, um, and then uh, along that route, 
uh, the breeder that had her had her ancestors said, you know, I really like Oberhausley. They started getting Oberhausley, and then they bred up some of their Nubians because they liked the bone pattern. They liked the depth of barrel, and they they bred her up. And and Jem still exhibits some of that Nubian behavior, and maybe her body looks a little bit Nubian when you look at it. It really does. Um, but you know, as as you breed up, like I have, the kids still have that bone pattern, but they're really starting to sharpen up and, and look the part of of yeah. a uh, Oberhasley. You know, they have the correct markings. Um, well, they, they've they've got everything you'd look for. Um, so I don't see any. I, I'm a person that doesn't see any problem with breeding up to American or owning Americans. I don't see a problem with owning purebred and and breeding American or if you want right. to keep them purebred, well, do it. A lot of these lines realize it. Some right? of these Americans, um, again, maybe have been 10 to 15 generations bred to Oberhasley. And, you know, it's been 10 breedings or mm-hmm. 10 crosses that have produced this kid. Now, back in, you know, 1900s, 20s, and 30s, um, I was actually reminded of this uh, rule that was proposed way back then uh, by the conversation that our friend had. Somebody reminded somebody of this. Um, we'll keep those names out unless they want to be acknowledged. Um, of There was a 10th uh, <laughs> cross rule proposed. We're back, you know, the American uh, oh, Milk yeah. Goat Registry. I to ask you about this, yep. Um, there was a proposal for a 10th cross rule, and the idea with this was that after 10 generations of breeding back, basically, purebred, poof, it would become purebred. Mm-hmm. Well, like the idea was that it would go experimental to, to American. Once you get to American, then you had to have the 10 generations. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and that was like to the American uh, status. Okay, so okay, it okay. didn't count yep. experimental and, oh, you had to have the three years additional for for conforming. It was when it was American, then it was 10 crosses of breedings after that. And then it would, that was the proposal. It never really went through. Um, and I've heard, you know, in the past few years, people mm. were saying, you know, mumbling about, well, my purebred, my, my Americans have been you know, this breed for 10 years and 10 generations or more, you know, what makes them any different than the purebreds at that mm-hmm. point? Other than there's a, you know, one, 1,000 right. of a other breed in there. Um, you know, there's that argument. Um, as we right. close out, you know, we're, we've made a really long one out of this episode. And I think we really could go on forever because there are <laughs> information, there's there's oh, facts, you know, and there's, you know, again, opinions on what is the right way, the right, right. I'd say breed your, your animals for the betterment of the breed, how you feel, feel it is best to improve the breed, whether you feel it's a, a breed which needs more numbers, you know, purebred numbers, maybe if you increase the number, we'll get a genetic you know, variety, you know, not variety, variability. That's the word I'm looking for. Variability. Right. 
And then we can start yeah, that works. increasing our gene pool with different bucks and does. Or whether you feel that it's better to have highly competitive purebreds such that the American pe people who have only Americans go, well, you know, what's the difference? Um, I just don't see right. it necessary to cast shade on Americans and versus purebreds. Right, and, and that's what I was going to leave off on is that um, <clears throat> no matter the letter in front of that registration number, um, the status of if they're purebred American or experimental does not mar that goat. Uh, I feel like people really tune in on purebred American instead of tuning in on what's in front of them, the goat, uh, if it's a, a competitive goat. Um, or not, uh, it's still what it is, right? It's a go. So if they look the part, they show the part, and they milk the part, what's the difference to me? That's that's my thought. I don't see why people have to knock down others yes, uh, when yes. they can just appreciate a good uh, goat when they see it. So uh, I think I'll leave off on that. Um, uh, Nate, did you have anything really, else other than, you know, I want to thank those who in the past, you know, We'd come up with this topic idea, and then there were a bunch of discussions that popped up up on social media. Um, yeah. People are out there who've, who've talked about this discussion and tossed out things, uh, resources and references. I want to thank them. Um, I'm, I'm not giving names because I'm not so sure that they um, yeah, me too. want to be mentioned. So I'm just going to say a thank you to them. And... Uh, you know, <laughs> just keep up the conversation. So, yeah, yeah, and be nice to each other. Um, I do, I do want to say, Nate. Uh, since I know we're running super long, but uh, since it's Thanksgiving and all, I just want to say I'm super thankful to for my wife and and now baby and my family uh, for supporting me and everything I'm doing with the herd, the farm, uh, the podcast. Uh, everything i i'm just super thankful for yes. them and yeah, uh, i'm thankful for the listeners for for just appeasing us by listening I, gonna, uh to us ramble on about goats i, I i'm sure I'm they didn't realize how much family is willing to let me sneak really away can. to this quiet room <laughs> to uh record these podcasts um you know what else i'm also thankful for you because there's there's my family yeah. my my family i live with and and my siblings and my father you know who help make me what I am but I also acknowledge it that my goat family mm -hmm. you know the fellow exhibitors and breeders and the ones who come in and, and oh yeah and you know yeah, message yeah. us back and say you know hey you know I heard your podcast and you were talking about this here's an idea or something you know and it's through yeah the kelp is a perfect example you know, we, I can't count that we've gotten a, quite a few people who've given us advice yeah. on where to find uh, uh, more inexpensive kelp for breed, feeding our animal. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah I want to thank super affordable. the goat family for being there. And uh, just remember, we're all in this together. Um, I think it's uh, Red Green. It says, you know, we're all in this together. Yeah. Keep your stick on the ice. 
<laughs> well, I, that's just a wonderful way to end it. And again, Thank uh, thanks everybody for listening. And, and Nate, thank you for joining me again this week on Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. I'm John. Hey, folks, I just wanted to add, as I'm sitting here getting ready to go deer hunting this morning, um, I really didn't think to thank Nate himself for helping me out with this podcast. You know, this started out as me having a weird dream about Nate and I doing a podcast ringside of a national show and uh it's kind of morphed into that took a little bit of convincing but nate you're you're doing a really good job and and i want to thank your wife and kids uh for not only being just wonderful friends and i would argue family uh these last this last year and a half two years now um but i just i just really want to thank you for taking the time to have fun with me talking about dairy goats and uh thanks for always being there brother all right well everybody else have a wonderful thanksgiving and we'll catch you on the next one Mm